0: It ain't the
1: left side, but the right side, and it must be the fence side. The left side.
0: Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, or subscribe to us on YouTube or iTunes. And we are previewing the Miami Dolphins-Pittsburgh Steelers matchup, looking at a few key breakdowns and things to keep in mind heading into the game. Joined here tonight today by Paul Pickin. And uh, before we get into the Steelers-Dolphins matchups and a few things to look at, some news from over the last week. When Adam. I'll tell you this, despite how poorly, poorly the Dolphins are performing, when he said that talent is irrelevant and he's going he's, he's gonna to bench players who aren't performing, he wasn't kidding. Actually, he benched them right off the roster. Cut were Dallas Thomas, Billy Turner, and Isaiah Pede.
1: Paul, do any of those moves surprise you? Uh, the Isaiah Pede, one really doesn't. I mean, he never really lived up to the form from preseason. Dallas Thomas struggled to even see the lineup. and When he finally got Opportunities. He completely blew all of them. Billy Turner, that surprises me a little bit. He's a, he's a young kid that I thought showed some promise. He had a rough game last week, but when he came in and, and to spell Juwan James, I thought he did all right in the, in the previous instance. So I'm a little shocked at Billy Turner, but let's face it. If the Lions have been struggling, they got called on to answer, and they sure as hell didn't. So I guess it's time to move on and bring bring on Sam Young.
0: I, I didn't agree with cutting Billy Turner. I right? I thought he was a better fit at right guard or right tackle, and I, I was disappointed he didn't start the year there over Jermon Bushrod because I thought Turner had some good games last year. He had some bad games, but I, I thought there was some raw talent to work with, and I'd see him destroy people in the run game from time to time. I thought there was something to work with there, but really was a, a dumpster fire at left tackle, but he never plays left tackle. So I would have preferred that he stayed around was and, and would have been nipping at the heels of Jawan James at right tackle uh, and, and Jermaine Bush try a right guard, but I wish him the best of luck in Baltimore Dallas Thomas should have been cut last year and Isaiah Pete yeah I was a little excited about Pete in preseason but never really took off either also Kohamisi heads to injured reserve not that big of a surprise for us Paul the guy just can't seem to stay healthy do you think this is the last of them
1: here in Miami Sadly, it might be. I thought he came on very well when called upon early in the year, but Miami's going to the nickel so damn much with, with all these three-receiver sets that they face. He wasn't sniffing the field, and when he did get on there, he got hurt yet again, which he always flirts with IR every year. So, it, it really might be the last we see him, and it's not his abilities; This is general health.
0: Yeah, he can't ever seem to stay healthy, and uh, you know he's been on the team for quite a few years now. I, I've always liked him more than other people, but if, if he can't Stay in the lineup, and you're a two-down linebacker. You're not worth the money that you're going to be getting next year. Um, the Dolphins can't save a few million by cutting him in in two thousand uh, before the 2017 season. I expect them to do that. Looking at the Steelers matchup, Paul. Uh, first of all, let's get to the injury report as of right now. Uh, the Dolphins may be without or will be without Xavier Howard and Jordan Cameron in this game. Uh, Howard because of a knee injury, Cameron because of a concussion. Also may be without Rashad Jones too, which may take us from bad to worse on defense.
1: Yeah, that terrifies me about Rashad Jones. I mean, Jordan Cameron, hey, let's face it, we can send anybody out there to drop passes. So not too too worried about him being out. Yeah, he's eternally in the concussion protocol anyway. But yeah, no, it's Rashad Jones would be a a huge blow if he's not in this game. Uh, he's, he's arguably the, playing the best safety ever in Dolphins history, which is saying a lot, and especially given the scheme issues. I really hope he's out there, but if we have to lose him for a game to have him for the rest, I'd rather do that than uh, lose him for the year risking his health. Me too. The Dolphins also... Uh, Questionable for this weekend,
0: running back Arian Foster, Laramie Tunzel, who's expected to play, Anthony Steen expected to play, Uh, actually Steen's a little bit iffy, Jelani Jenkins and and Esau Abdul-Kutis also questionable for the Steelers. Uh, a little bit iffy and held out of practice were Sammy Coates, wide receiver Marcus Wheaton, tackle Marcus Gilbert, which could be actually a a big miss for them going up against Cam Wake. Center Cody Wallace, defensive end Cameron Hayward, who has three sacks for them on the year. Uh, Son of Ironhead Hayward, if you remember him, way back in the day. Safety, Shamarco Thomas, too. But, you know, regardless, when you look at this game, the, the the Pittsburgh Steelers are on an absolute absolute roll on the offensive side of the ball. Over the last two games, destroyed the Jets 31 to 13, destroyed the Kansas City Chiefs 43 to 14. Over the last two games, the Steelers have scored 74 points coming into a Miami Dolphins stadium where their defense has been terrible. Last two games, Ben Roethlisberger 56 for 74. 75.7% completion percentage, 680 yards, nine touchdowns, no interceptions over the last two games. Le'Veon Bell, after coming back from the offseason suspension over the first three games, has 332 combined yards in his two games returning. Paul, oh. <laughs> what do the Dolphins do to stop this offense?
1: Fire Vance Josephs. No, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, if if Sammy Coates misses the game, that's going to be a huge hit for the Steelers. It, it's as great as Antonio Brown is, and I'm sure that that shifts some of the coverage away from Coates. Coates has almost 500 yards on the year already, which is insane. to me. Uh, he was the big receiver last week. I think he had six for about a buck 40, and and really. Roethlisberger is clicking with all of his targets at this point. So Coates' injury status is going to be huge, but also Marcus Wheat. I know he didn't have a big game last week, but he has shown a propensity with Roethlisberger to do well. The best thing that they can do is move those corners up in press man like they should and like they're skilled at and try to slow the receivers down off the line and give guys like, well, I'd say Cam Wake and and, and Dominic and Sue, time to get to uh the quarterback. But let's face it, it's probably Chris Jones and uh Terrence Fiday time to get to the quarterback there. But no, they they need to set the lineup to be able to rush the passer or their host.
0: The the Cameron Wake matchup on the outside, if Marcus Gilbert, the Steelers right tackle can't play, uh, would make a huge difference. Uh, their their backup on that side is is Chris Hubbard who probably would have pretty wide eyes lining across from Wake if the Dolphins, in fact, do decide to use Cameron Wake an appropriate amount of times, and I'm saying 30 to 35 snaps. Mario Williams also called out this week by the coaching staff saying that he needs to play harder and he needs to play better. Uh, I hope he gets the message because that's really the Dolphins' only prayer is if the the three guys up front making all the money, Mario Williams, Cameron Wake, and and Sue coming off arguably as worst game as a dolphin can set that that pace up front because you've got antonio brown at wide receiver over the last two years one of the one of the best two years in NFL history. And like you said, Paul, Sammy Coates over 500 yards receiving. He's going to be playing with a hurt hand in this game, but you know, I I think they have enough weapons to to combat that. And you've got Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. Really one of the more complete offenses that you can find. The Dolphins have to absolutely pressure the quarterback Uh, on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Ryan Tannehill has gotten it pretty bad this week. And I I think he should have. And I, I can't remember who wrote it from sports illustrated, but wrote a perfect article on why Ryan Tannehill may be too far gone at this point, uh, and I, I agree with that. I, until I see this guy stepping up in the pocket, using his feet, creating time for himself, and throwing the ball downfield and taking control of this team, I'm going to be convinced uh, that Ryan Tannehill, the Dolphins, are going to be looking in another direction at the end of the year. Some people will disagree with me on that. Uh, we'll see. Um, offensively, Paul, uh, feel free to chime in on anything I just said.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, one thing that's mystified me is they've struggled to get Ryan Tannehill time at most points. I mean, he's had time on a few plays, but let's face it, so when you're getting decked all day, even if you're Tom Brady, you start getting gunshot, even when you have the time. We've seen it happen a couple of times in the past. It's how the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl it was getting Brady gunshot, even when he had time. But one of the ways that they created time in the first few games of the year for Tannehill was they ran that read option, which he executes so beautifully. They they called plays for him to run with the ball. We haven't really seen him run with the ball or run the read option in like three weeks. And that's a scenario that forces the defense to, to sit back on their heels just a little bit, even if it's just for that extra half a second. A half a second is big in time for the quarterback to be able to make his reads and make his throws. Yeah, you know, we're not going to see him stop staring down receivers if he's only got one and a half seconds because the defensive tackle's unblocked. So that's a scenario that we need to see this week. We need to see him take off with the ball a few times. Uh, definitely slide because we don't want Matt in, but take off of the ball a few times and, and make the defense have to account for that.
0: Uh, I mean, at this point, I really wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I don't want Tannehill to get hurt, but. I really don't think there's going to be too much of a decline in play at this. But I mean, a a decline from what I say. I I, I mean, I do think Tannehill's the better quarterback, and I want him to stay in throughout the rest of the year. There's no point in putting Matt Moore in. But yeah, and I do think you're right, Paul. They have to have some pre-designed runs for him, which were going very well a couple of years ago. Uh, You know, Tannehill, I think had like what five games in a row where he had like 45, 50 rushing yards. But he also needs to step up in the pocket identify the pass rush, and use his legs to break away. It adds a whole different element to the game. My thing is now, here we are approaching the middle of Tannehill's fifth year. He doesn't see that. He doesn't do that. And I don't think he's going to do that at all moving forward either.
1: Um, I'm I'm a little torn. Sorry to jump back in there, Kat. Because I look at it where, yeah, he's in the middle of his fifth year. But this is his first, first year really under anybody that coached him up. I guess we could say, in terms of being a quarterback. I mean, we also have Mike Sherman. We I have no faith that the Sherman taught him to do the right things at quarterback. And Bill Lazor's tenure here, unfortunately, was a bit of a disaster. So I mean, it's it's so tough with him to judge the development. That that's that's what upsets me, is we're we're five and a half years into his career, halfway through his fifth year, sorry, four and a half years. And we really haven't Him get the opportunity to grow in a lot of ways. We've almost had folks that stun his growth. And I hope it's not too late. We don't know, but I hope it's not too late.
0: I think it is too late because I I don't think he's good enough. I mean that that that's what I that's what I see. That I I see no difference between one coaching staff from Mike Sherman to Bill Lazor to Adam Gase. I, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a difference. I'm not seeing improvement. And typically I'd say yeah, it's his first year in an offense. My problem is that every other quarterback. That was under Adam GaSe. Improved immediately. And I, again, I, I if I, I don't see what, what what coaching has to do with Ryan Tannehill feeling a pass rush, with him tucking the ball down and running when the, when the situation calls for it and when he's got green grass in front of him. And Tannehill just never makes things better. Yeah, he. there are a lot of reasons the Dolphins have struggled on offense over the last few years, but he never takes the team on his back and makes
1: things better. Um,
0: so I, now I, Right now, five games into the season, I don't have any faith in Ryan Tannehill.
1: So that's fair. I mean, I, I can definitely see both viewpoints on. You know, it, it's... Hopefully, hopefully, my hope is proven by the end of this year, or they they get the message if uh, what you're seeing is proven as well. Because one way or the other, it, it's you know, crap or get off the pot. Time here. Yeah, that, that's for sure. That, the good thing about
0: Adam Gaze is, at the end of the first of his first year. With Tannehill, we will know about Tannehill. He's got 11 games to turn things around, prove us wrong. If if we're sitting here at the end of the year and Dolphins are an 8- or 9-win football team and knocking on the door of the playoffs and Tannehill's got 45, 100 yards passing and he's really starting to click and gaze his offense, it'll be a different conversation. But this is the game that it needs to start. This is the game that Tannehill has to go head-to-head with Ben Roethlisberger, an elite quarterback, and win this game with the offense 34-31. to A big advantage for the Dolphins heading into this contest is that they may have their entire offensive line together for the first time all year from left to right. Brandon Albert, Laramie Tunzel, Mike Pouncey, Jermon Bushrod, and Juwan James. So this quite possibly could be a game where Ryan Tannehill can step up, can sit in the pocket and 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 survey the field and deliver the ball, but this is this is where it needs to begin. If it doesn't begin now, and the Dolphins drop down to one and five, which I expect, then I, I don't see where where the comeback is going to be. Overall, Paul predictions for the game. Looking at it, uh, I'm going to say the Dolphins continue to flounder here. My prediction: Steelers 34, Dolphins 20.
1: I'm sitting at probably Steelers 35, Dolphins 17. Unfortunately, one one thing I want to really quick bitch about actually is and something we didn't really talk about the other day. I don't know if you saw all the quotes from Gase, and I'm, I'm I'm definitely gonna be curious on your thoughts on this as well. Gase came out and said the defensive struggles and Cam Wake not getting on the field and blah 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 is is because this defense was built to play with a lead, and to me that that's insane. It's you're talking about one niche area because you're not just talking about a lead. You're talking about forcing the other team to be one-dimensional, and then you can basically just pin your ears back the whole game. How the hell do you, in, in your first year, when you're still trying to build up the team in, in the image that you want, set yourself up to essentially be, you know, the Randy Moss and Tom Brady Patriots where you're playing with a blowout every time, and then, like, when you don't have that scenario, you're like, hey, what, what do you expect? We, we, we set this up so that... We can play defense if we're blowing somebody out. How do you blow anybody out if you don't play defense before that? I I don't
0: get it. Yeah, you. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, I think it's bullshit, too. Uh, you look at the Patriots game, Wake gets 15 snaps. You look at the Bengals game, where they were throwing the ball up until the end, and Wake gets 16 snaps. Uh, this past game, I don't think he played very well against Cleveland. I, I thought that he had some... He had, well, he had one game-turning sack and a forced fumble, nearly had two more. And so when you put this guy on the field, th- good things are going to happen. And I'll tell you what, Paul, if, if we get a few more weeks down the road, I think another team should trade us for Cam Wake. And I would gladly, it would warm my heart to see Cameron Wake go to another football team and have fun and play on a competitive team that's going to be fighting for the playoffs. Because, it, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense how they've been used. And you've got to see the disconnect between a front office who wants to give Cam Wake at 35 8 to $10 million a year, and a head coach who doesn't want to play him. Same, same crap has happened between head coach, GM, for way too long with Miami. After the year, say the Dolphins win four or five games, which I expect, please, 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 fire Mike Tannenbaum and fire Chris Greer and get somebody in there who Adam Gase likes and has picked and can work with. Stop forcing these awkward GM head coach marriages. That's the problem. We have yeah, a lot of problems and on the roster.
1: One thing I'd throw out there as well since you brought up the Cam Wake thing, and, and I know we've talked in the past about if the coaching staff doesn't feel that they're there going into the season, it might make sense to trade Cam Wake while he still has value. We watch the Patriots do it with beloved players all the time, and I'm not saying to copy exactly what the Patriots do, but you have to make the moves while you can still get the value for a player. So I I would completely understand the scenario of doing that if you didn't feel you were going to get there during Cam Wake's tenure. Um, One thing I just want to throw off for those listening, I know Kat and I are both bitching a lot. I'm sure everybody... You listen to those Dolphins fans bitching a lot right now. If they're not, they're absolutely delusional. And we only do this because we do love this team. We're we're out here talking because we do love this team. We want to see them succeed. We want to have nothing to bitch about and basically get on the air and be like, hey, everything's sunshine and roses. We're bored. Dolphins are probably going to win again this week. Have fun. Thanks for tuning in, guys. But we can't right now because it's just... Where the team is at, and they're not able, well, they to do suck.
0: They're 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 bad. Yeah. They're they're a bad football team right now, and it's a poorly put together football team. I'm not going to apologize for, and you weren't either. But I mean, I think that's a good explanation. I'm not going to apologize for it. I, I'm a, I'm a fan who who cares about the success of the team. The way that this team is being built is not a successful way. What what general manager? What successful general manager says? Hey, I've got to pay a bunch of big names. I've got to not resign the guys in my own building. I've got to trade draft picks away. It's the exact opposite of everything that's happened, and I'll tell you why it's happening, because Mike Tannenbaum is snake oil selling himself to Steve Ross on a year-to-year basis, and Steve Ross needs to wake up on that, and I don't think he will either. What I want to have happen is for the Dolphins to be in a position where they have a young, talented, hungry roster. Other than that, no, it's, it's, it's not not
1: good enough. Yeah, and Cat, that, that leads me right into really what my next point is. Uh, off the top of my head, I know the trade deadline is approaching, but I know we're not there yet. If the Dolphins don't win a game between now and the trade deadline, uh, this is a scenario where I'll completely respect this fact. too. Chris Greer, Mike Tannenbaum, Adam Gase all need to sit in a round room. They don't need Dan Marino in there as much as I love them. They don't need Tom Garfinkel in there. They don't need anybody in there but scouting department and coaching staff have very honest and frank discussions about every player on that 53-man roster and essentially go, okay, we're one and whatever now. This is time to start looking at next year, even though we want to win as many games as we can this year, what can we do to position ourselves best? And if it's, like you pointed out before, potentially trading Cam Wake or – Like I was talking about with with aging veterans that may not be able to make it through the tenure before Miami's there, or they feel Miami's going to be there. Make moves like they do in baseball at times. See if there's any interest in Mike Pouncey, which I'd hate to see him go, but he is an aging veteran who's a pro bowler with a a chronic hip issue. Just see what you can get in terms of those aging veterans that are not going to fit on this roster. Um, One other move, by the way, just real quick just thinking about it. Earl Mitchell may be returning soon from what I've seen, and is pretty hungry to get back out on the field, and maybe that'll spell the end of Chris Jones. I'd much rather see him out there than Chris.
0: Uh, I'd rather see none of them, but I guess that's better than nothing. Uh, Yeah, Cameron Wake I, I would I mean I would trade him as soon as possible. I mean I, I unless you believe the Dolphins are going to go to the playoffs this year, I think you'd be crazy to think that. But you look at some of these other teams who actually are in the hunt. Uh, the The Washington Redskins they could use an extra pass rusher. Uh, Arizona you know, on the other side of Marcus Golden, who's really stepping up, could use another pass rusher. I, I mean, you, you name five or six teams in the nfl that they they could use a pass rusher i don't think anybody else really on the roster is all that tradable i mean mike mike pouncey i i would trade mike pouncey in a second given first of all i think he's an overrated player I'm, I, I think he's a good player but i never thought he was mid first round pick eight nine million a year's good that i i never felt that way about mike pouncey but he's still a good player but Who's going to want to pay that salary for a, a uh, an above average center with a chronic hip problem? I, I, I don't I don't see that happening. But Cameron Wake, I do still think has some trade value. And if you're a team like the Ravens or the Redskins and and you need an extra pass rusher, he could play for you this year, and then you got him next year too. Who, who you know, and if he's playing twenty or thirty snaps a game, he could probably still add some value for you. Anyway, we're a little bit away from the trade deadline, so. Uh, Let's wish the Dolphins the best of luck here this weekend against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, you upset the Steelers, you get to two and four. Uh, then you go to and then you have Buffalo the next week, and you go to three and four. Then the bye week, you get healthier. Yeah, we'll talk at that point. But until then, I'm convinced the Dolphins are going one and five. Tune into us. On uh, Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, and subscribe to us on YouTube uh, and iTunes as well. And in the words of Brian Miller, if it's not on the left side and it's not on the right side, it's on the thin side. So, O.D., take us home. It
1: ain't the left side for the right side, and it must be the thin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again. We rep our team, you can't change, stop, or ruin it. All we need is to figure what to do to win. Fans radio, live and direct. Win or lose, we're showing up for every contest. No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered. Voice of the fans when the season looks peculiar. Rockin' eyeball. to fulfill the creep we have to hear about our team and all the latest news that's the rookies trying to make the team paying dues current players and alumni interviews city to city state to state follow the moves call the hotline dolphins talk set to go best sports team and show all across the globe it ain't the left side or the right side